all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Did you like that one? That was a good one. Good. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Now it's your turn to be now, stuffed Now it's my up, turn huh? to be. This is the first time I've been sick in literally in years. I, I don't think we've ever recorded with you having a nope. stuffy nose or anything like that. Nope. Yeah. So, so you're going to hear a lot of this today, people. A lot of... <laughs> Here, I'll move the, the <laughs> tissues over by you. <laughs> um, oh, so we're, we're done with Hillsborough. <laughs> yeah, thankfully. That was, yeah, that, that was that's, rough. That's a... That's a brutal one. Mm-hmm. We we will be doing because uh, I think we did we discuss this with ourselves or on the podcast. What? I can't remember. Don't, doing a don't doing spoil. a fun one. No, I'm not. Oh, um, oh, okay. The ten cent beer. Night. Yes, yes, yes. We did discuss that. I thought we did. Yep. Um, that's not what we're doing today. No. Um, I'll, I'll be doing that one. Yeah. If you want to do it next week, actually, that would probably be good timing because the one after that is going to be pretty bad. Yeah. So maybe we need this. This one's only averagely bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So possibly 10 cent beer night coming to this podcast for, for you fine people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because Hillsboro, yeah, that was just a, we usually try when we do a really brutal one to follow it up with something. Not as heavy. At right. Least. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, this one, like I said, it's it's just av- it's normal for. I mean, it's not it's good. Just, we just, don't do anything just good. Just a normal disaster. Just a couple just of normal. deaths. Just normal. Just a couple uh, dozen. Well, instead of almost a hundred. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's actually more than Hillsboro. Yeah, it actually, the death toll's higher. Hashtag body count. But um, guess what? We passed two hundred thousand all-time listens. <laughs> Golf claps for us. <laughs> That's pretty remarkable, considering that we are literally just sitting in our bedroom with a microphone. Yeah, with the with the cat just chilling, yeah. lick, licking himself. That would be Jesse. Demetrius <laughs> couldn't decide whether he wanted in or out today, mm-hmm. so he was out. Um, but thank you because that's you guys yes. listening, and thank that's you very awesome. Much. It's wonderful. Also, we now have an official, unofficial fan club, and it's awesome. <laughs> that is it was awesome. Started by our dear listener Abby. Um, and it's on Twitter, uh, at ABT Yacht Club, <laughs> which <Yes>. I love. <laughs> it's very funny. Abby is hilarious. Such a good sense of humor. Actually, like, I'm pretty sure all of our listeners have a great sense of humor. That's been my experience. Um, it, we got into some, uh, funny Twitter conversations between us, Zach, and uh, Abby the other night. That was highly entertaining. At least I found it highly entertaining. Yes, and the Carolina Hurricanes. Yes, that's on my list. Look, it's on my list. Oh, there we go. Hurricanes. Is, are, is, they are on to the second round and will be playing tonight. Well, as we're recording. Yes. And, Which but, today uh, is Friday? Yes. Today is Friday. Yes. Are they playing on Monday, too? No, that's Sunday. When this will come out. Okay. And I will be going to the game on Wednesday. Have you gotten Which will be game yet? three. I've not, I've not even looked to okay. see what they are, but that's really the only game I'll be able to go to. Yeah. yeah. So, Zach, if you want to come all the way down to Raleigh, 
<laughs> and uh, schlub for some tickets too. You're mm-hmm. you're more than welcome to come experience Hurricanes hockey. Yeah, loud loud uh, arena. When I went uh, last week, when did I go? Last Wednesday? Monday. Monday. God, I cannot keep Didn't my you days. Go Monday? Yes, I did. Yes, That's right. It was, it was game just six. this week. Yeah. I can't keep my days straight. I know. Anymore. I know. Um, yeah, I have not heard that building that loud in a long time. They were reading the decibel levels too, and it yeah. was like 110 or something. Something like that. Like that. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And I was very hoarse the next day. Yes. <laughs> maybe, that was, maybe that's what led to me being sick. Maybe everybody else in the building was sick. Well, yeah, it's that time of year too, so. Which is to say pretty much any time of year. <laughs> so all of that is to say, let's go Canes. Let's go Canes. That's right. I'm I'm totally fine jumping on that bandwagon. I'm using the whaler's koozie, even though I disapprove of whaling. Uh, they're not currently whaling. <laughs> no, we're not, but... no, there's no whaling, whaling currently going on. I also at say, least in this country. I also say, let's go Canes, because every game you go to for the Hurricanes makes you less inclined to go to a Bills Road game this year. It does. And you know, I think it's a a waste of time and energy to cheer for those Bills. So, yeah, for the But most, I encourage you for the Hurricanes. For the most part, for all of this century, minus one season, <laughs> it, it has been. It has been, yes. But uh, I loved our, uh, the draft is going on, so I, I loved our draft pick last night. Um, and Miami got a Clemson guy. Yes. I saw. A defensive, I can't remember his name, but yes, they did. Um, and we got Josh Allen at quarterback, and I, I think I think there might be some better days coming. <laughs> you say that the Patriots every year. are going to go away at some point. They're, they're not going to be here forever. Yes, that's that's true. In spite of rumors, uh, Tom Brady is not immortal. No. So yeah, that's that's going to end at some point. But uh, most likely, no Bills road trip this year. But we'll, we'll see. Okay. It'd be nice <laughs> if you didn't. But that's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Shall we get into it? I, I guess we shall. Yeah. I, I think I gave you a hint last night as to the category of this. Uh, Does did that, you? Do you remember? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> um, it's one of those perennials. We do them every, I don't know, 10 episodes or so because there's so damn many of them. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember yeah. what you said now. Yes. So what did I say? Because um, everyone knows what it is. Well, I'm guessing title. it's a, it's a plane crash, yes. right? Okay. Air disasters, yeah. indeed. Sorry to anybody out there who might be flying soon. Yeah. Apparently, this was covered on May Day, and potentially seconds from disaster. Oh, you're talking about the show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I some of them are on like YouTube or whatever. I have to say, I never watch them. I don't either. I find them really cheesy. Like, I have no problem with anyone who enjoys them and wants to watch them. That's cool. I just, I hate reenactments and um, overly dramatic narration, which is basically all those shows are. Yeah, so. pretty much. So, yeah. But they apparently they did cover this, so it might sound familiar to some people who are fans of those shows. So, this is the story of Tam Airlines Flight 3054. I'm guessing it's Tam. It could be T-A-M, but okay. I'm going to call it Tam. On July 17th, 2007, which was oh. 10 years to the day before our podcast, first podcast episodes dropped. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tam Airlines Flight 3054 overshot the runway. Ooh. Yeah. At Congojas Sao Paulo Airport in Sao Paulo, Brazil, crashing into a Tam warehouse. Oh, Jesus. And killing all 187 people on board, as well as 12 people on the ground. Wow. Yeah. 
This Holy is a bad Christ. one. This is a bad one. Yeah. Um, also, when I was looking at our death map, which is still out there, we have our, a Google map that shows the location of every disaster. Um, think, think Game of Thrones, but just for, uh, <laughs> for actual on-Earth disasters that have happened. But uh, South America is very sparse on our map. We have not covered not, many. Not this is only lot. like our third. We yeah. did the, there was the mudslide mm-hmm. and um, uh, the Alive story in the oh yes i mean that was a big one but yeah um so this one's our first brazilian disaster so we get to hear rachel try to pronounce portuguese (laughs) which is wonderful um i've always said portuguese is like if you mix french and spanish you get portuguese at least the sound of it sort of the sound of the accent that that could be how it came about too you never know Mm. obviously has the same it's a latin language like the same roots but yeah Mm mm-hmm All right, so we're going to start in our geography corner and travel to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, Yeah, this is only our third South American um, disaster, but if my count is correct, this is our 11th air disaster. Wow. Plane crash disaster, yeah. Mm -hmm. So just about, yeah, one out of every 10 we do. Yeah. (laughs) A little more. Well, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. So Sao Paulo is in Brazil, obviously, and uh, Brazil takes up obvious statement here um a huge portion of south america yes it is the it's on the east side of south america takes up basically like the whole eastern half of it um it's the fifth largest country in the world by landmass. really so i think we covered this Uh-oh, before okay. i think it's like china russia canada and the u.s i believe it's russia, russia canada, canada united states china, china. and now and then brazil, brazil. Yeah. okay wow yeah I guess I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. It is pretty big, though. It is very so. big. 3.2 million square miles, or 8.5 million square kilometers. Uh, Brazil is broken up into states, regions that mm-hmm. are called states, and the city of Sa- Sao Paulo is in the state of Sao Paulo. Oh, okay. So, so like New York, New York. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, Sao Paulo is Portuguese for St. Paul, but I could be wrong about that. Um and Sao Paulo, the state of Sao Paulo is the biggest state in Brazil by population. The greater region is considered a megalopolis with more than 30 million people in the metro yeah. area. It's huge. Yeah. Now, that's not in the city proper. That's mm-hmm. in the whole metro area, which is pretty sprawling. But still, that's a lot of people. It's also a huge economic center in the country. And just the city of Sao Paulo accounts for almost 11% of Brazil's entire GDP. Wow. And over a third of its goods and services pop production. So that's pretty significant. Um, and it's, now, it's now is Sao Paulo the capital or is that Rio? You know, I don't know what the capital of Brazil is. I didn't actually look that up. Okay. Um, Rio would be my first guess, but I, I, but it could be like you know the state capitals where you're like, oh, it must be this. And yeah, no. that's true. <laughs> Like, the fucking capital of Florida is Tallahassee. That place is a dump. Well, I mean, the, the capital of New York is Albany. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's like, what? <laughs> it's like you have New York City in there. All apologies to <laughs> listeners living in Tallahassee. I have I have family in Tallahassee. Still don't like it, but... <laughs> I believe I do know somebody who's in Albany. Yeah. Somebody I went to high school with. Mm-hmm. But that sucks that he still lives there. <laughs> <laughs> it's also funny how people think Albany is upstate New York. <laughs> well, yes. In, in media, anywhere north of New York City yeah. is upstate New York. Once you're too far to commute easily, then yeah. you're, you're upstate. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, 
Oh, geographically speaking, in Brazil, Sao Paulo is on the coast, so it's on the Atlantic Ocean, um, pretty far south. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me, kind of in the southern part, but in the ex- on the extreme east coast. Now, the time and the place of this disaster is actually pretty interesting and gives some additional context. So something I was unaware of, from late 2006 through all of 2007, Brazil experienced what has been considered an aviation crisis. That doesn't sound good at all. No, and it's been dubbed um, Apagal Areo, or the aerial blackout in Brazil. Uh, so we shouldn't fly to Brazil ever. This is 06 to 07. So it was, a uh, well, but it was just, a a specific period in time. I think I'm, we're okay. I'm still not taking a chance. Oh, come on. We're never going to Brazil. I want to see Rio. I've always <laughs> wanted to see Rio. Um, for some reason, I want to see the Christ the Redeemer statue. Yeah, that, um. I don't know why. It's just yeah. always been one of those landmarks. I feel like every place I want to visit in life was influenced by the fact that I played Mario is Missing as a child. And you go to all sorts of places. Like Christ the Redeemer statue in the game? Well, because he goes to, like, Rio, and they show, you know, all of the landmarks. That's why I want to go to the Sydney Opera House. Interesting. I, yeah. I, Mario is Missing. Mario is Missing. It was kind of a shitty game, but... I was going to say, I've never even heard of it. But, yeah, he goes all over the world looking for Mario. Mario gets kidnapped. Or lost. So one and Luigi other. goes? Yeah. Uh, okay. Luigi was always my guy, too. Whenever my sister and I would play Super Mario Brothers, I was always Luigi. And Sarah was always Mario. So, let's move on. Anywho. <laughs> so, this uh, aviation crisis. Um, so, Brazil's air traffic control is actually, it's government run. It's run by the Brazilian Air Force, specifically. Um, whose initials, because of uh, it's in Portuguese, is FAB. So they're FAB. (laughs) Okay. Um, And most air traffic control workers, not all, there are some civilians, but most are non-commissioned officers in the Air Force. So it's a government-run organization. In the early 2000s, FAB warned the government, like, look, we need additional funding here. Um, but they kept getting turned down. So basically, they just were being underfunded pretty badly. So in December 2006, in a disaster, we will obviously get to at some point, Gol Transportes Arios, flight 1907, and an Embraer Legacy 600, which is basically a private jet, collided. In Holy mid-air, shit, mm-hmm, really? Killing all 154 uh, yeah. people on board the Gold Transportes flight, although all seven people on the private jet actually lived. They were uninjured. What? They were even able to land the plane, even though it was damaged. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting story yeah. when we get to it. Uh, you think mid-air collision with two planes, like, that's it's over right. for everybody. Right, yeah. yeah. Wow. It just depends on who gets hit where, I guess. I, yeah. So long story short and spoiler alert, because we'll cover this at some point, um, the main cause of the disaster was found to be air traffic control related, both equipment being um, not up to par and staff. So this incident, uh, this disaster triggered a major meltdown in Brazil's air traffic control. Air traffic control workers were like, "Okay, look, we have had enough of us not having the shit we need to do our jobs right. And additionally, 
They were working super long hours and being very underpaid. So it was a labor dispute, essentially. Mm-hmm. <coughs> now, they started protesting through work-to-rule protests. Have you ever heard of this? Mm-hmm. I had not. I had to look into this. Didn't know about it, but I find it really interesting. So a work-to-rule protest basically means you do show up to work, so it's not a strike. You are, you are showing up. But then at work, you refuse to do anything aside from the minimal requirements of your job. So what, like you never go above and beyond. You do not work through breaks. You do not work any overtime. Like everything is exact, only the absolute minimum you have to do to keep your job. And then um, you have to, you adhere so closely and so meticulously to every rule and regulation that it basically just causes a major slowdown in workflow. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I actually think it's actually pretty ingenious if you think about it. And it also make leaves workers less likely to be fired cuz well, like what are they going to be fired for? Cuz they're showing up. They are technically and doing, their, doing job. their job exactly, but it's still very disruptive. Um, and it also brings up another term I have never heard of, but I kind of love. It's called malicious compliance. But it means you're specifically following orders from superiors at work knowing that doing so will cause some sort of harmful outcome, but just, and and wasn't what it was intended, but just carrying it out. Exactly. Anyway, it's very passive aggressive, but as someone who is self-employed because I can't work under anybody, (laughs) I really, really love it. Um, I kind of did this. Maybe you should try this at your job. Oh, (laughs) not my current job, (laughs) but I have kind of done it at previous jobs when I, um, first started working for the company that did uh, radio song testing. Yeah. Um, I started at the same time as another coworker who is, is great. And I always have gotten along very well with her, um, even friends offline outside of work and everything. But we were working under Becky, who I did not like and is still up there for people who I do not get along with and never have in my human life. I had to hear a lot of Becky stories. So many Becky stories. Um, But she kept us like captive in training for so long. Uh, You don't remember this because this was just before we met. So... We had to, quote, train, you know, in the conference room with her for months. And this job was not that fucking hard. (laughs) She was such a control freak. She didn't trust us to do the job, like, even as we were learning. And eventually, I was so I was getting so pissed. Like, we had literally been, quote, training for three months. And I was like, so, Becky. We're not not going to do fucking open heart surgery. No. That's what she that's what she treated the whole fucking thing as. But I was like, so, Becky, when are we maybe going to be able to go actually just sit at our desks instead of sitting here? Um and she was like, well, you guys are still asking a lot of questions. So once you're, you don't have to ask so many questions. <laughs> she didn't want to be bothered at her desk. She was using the whole thing as an excuse to, like, not have to sit at her desk and answer her email and her phone. It was really obnoxious. Anyway, so I, Emma and I were on I Am 
on our laptops. And I literally, I am to Emma, let's not say a word. Let's not ask anything. And so she'll, she'll be like, okay. (laughs) All the questions have been asked. All the questions have been asked. Now we're done. You know what she did? She called us out for not asking questions. (laughs) It was so fucking obnoxious. And then she kept us in for like a few weeks more. I was so pissed. I ended up going to the, it was a small office. So the quote HR lady or whatever. And I'm like, we're done training. Can you please let her let us go? That's how we ended up finishing the training was because the uh, HR had to step in. Oh my God. <coughs> I made myself cough. I was so upset. Here, talk for a minute. Have you ever maliciously complied? I'm not sure. Um, maybe. It doesn't seem like your style. No. I would, if like, if I get tired of a job, then I just stop going altogether. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like Honestly, I've, that's the less passive like, way to do it. I, I pretty much did that when I was at Clear Channel. Like, I would have, like, Sunday nights would come around, and I would, like, start to, like, feel sick. Oh, Like, yeah, honest to God, good, yeah. like, just, like, because I knew tomorrow was Monday, and I had to start this whole fucking week My mom's all that, over yeah. again. And literally, after a couple of months of that, I was just like... And I've told you the story about the guy that uh, he assaulted um, one of my uh, DJs at a live um, event at a remote. Uh-huh. Not like punched him, but like grabbed him. And, oh, uh huh. Yeah, that's assault. and and I wasn't there for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to be because I was the one that's sold. But I was like, at that point, I was like, I'm not going Whatever. to those fucking yeah. things anymore. <laughs> um, plus, it was at a nightclub, and yeah, that's one place. If I'm ever missing, that's the one place to never look. And <laughs> don't look at a nightclub. nightclub. But um. And so then he thought he was this like little mobster guy. And, the, and like kind of after that whole situation, I was just like, I, and I, I literally just stopped going yeah. to work and got like a couple called like, Oh, we had this. What about this? I was just like, I don't care. Like yeah. do whatever you want with the accounts I have. I don't, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's bad when you don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That means it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these people apparently at least cared enough about their jobs to just want to change things. That's good. Yeah. Well, plus they they were mostly, or at least many people, were um, in the Air Force. So it's not like, I don't think you can just not show up to the Air Force. That I'm pretty sure that's called going AWOL and it's frowned upon. Yeah. <laughs> you get thrown into the brig for that. Um, so... With this work-to-rule protest, basically everything in the British civil aviation system was thrown off completely. Um, There were massive flight delays, like nightmarish, beyond what probably any of us have experienced. And the airlines were pissed at the workers, and the passengers were pissed at the entire situation, so it was all just bad. Uh, because all of this started in the fall, like in, in September of 20 of 2006, the holiday travel season of 2006 was a nightmare. So some airports actually, uh, were so poorly understaffed people not volunteering to work on holidays because they're again, minimum compliance, right? that they actually just shut down airports around Christmas altogether. Wow. <laughs> Which, like, imagine, that's not something that would go go over very well with people. 
It got so bad that the Brazilian government started putting Air Force jets into civilian service. It got so bad. That'd be kind of cool, actually. That one (laughs) of the planes put into service was one of the president's, or the Brazilian president's (sighs) planes. But imagine them putting Air Force One into civilian service. I was just thinking the same thing, although hopefully they they remove all the stains from that plane after the current administration's out of there. God, ugh. Hopefully they rip out everything that was in there and replace uh, it. They just need to burn the plane, really. <laughs> Pretty much. Get a new one. Um, some I'll, I'll, pay, I'll pay for that <laughs> through our taxes. <laughs> some air traffic controllers eventually just walked out in protest. So there were walkouts, like actual strikes, in spring of 2007. So this is the background I'm kind of, of what's ho- happening. In some small way, I'm hoping this happens in America someday so I can take like an Air Force jet somewhere. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> I think there was a lot of other downsides, especially I'm the sure fact that it, the whole thing got started by 154 people dying. That's but a, not worth it. No, that's not. But imagine the upside of taking a ride in an Air Force jet. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. It would be. It would not be. A, Certainly not at the expense of 154 people. No. Though. No. So, let's talk about Flight 3054. Flight 3054 was operated by TAM Airlines. Again, I'm going to just call it TAM. I don't know if it's T-A-M, but... TAM was started in 1975. It stood for Taxi Aereo Marilia. Okay. Sure. At the time of this disaster, (laughs) it was basically all of Latin America's biggest airline. So it's a huge airline. I have heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the Olympics were just there a couple years ago. Yeah, that's right in Rio. I remember seeing those commercials. Sponsors or something. Okay. And they provided both domestic and international flights, mostly to Europe and North America. That was like their general routes. It's also funny because I watched uh, some YouTube videos from RT America. You know, RT is Russia Today, America. Okay. Because Chris Hedges and like a couple other journalists are on there. Okay. But I, but I always see at the commercial breaks. Guess what? I see a commercial floor. Oh. Aeroflot Airlines. Oh, <laughs> that's the kid at the co- kid in the cockpit <laughs> one, <Yes>. right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, Aeroflot, where the kid crashed the plane. <laughs> do you know? Kind how, of. Do you remember how after the whole Wells Fargo like opening accounts f- without people's permission, they started a, an ad campaign of like, we're better, we're getting better, yeah, we're then, honest now, and then got caught doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be funny if Aeroflot had to do like a, we're not letting kids in the cockpit no, anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> God. Oh, it's a sad ad campaign when you have to like be apologizing and no really we're better we're better we swear and then literally like a month later get caught doing the Jesus. same shit <laughs> they're gonna keep going and going um for what it's worth credit unions find your find a credit union join a credit <laughs> if, union if you can yes if possible i understand that there are um limitations as to like location and stuff some remote more remote areas may not have one but yeah if possible avoid the banks go to a credit union so so this particular the, flight... The, the more you know. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, this particular flight was flying into Sao Paulo, specifically into the Sao Paulo Congonhas Airport, or sure. the Congonhas Sao Paulo Airport. There's conflicting... I saw conflicting things as to which came first. <laughs> so anyway. one of It's one of the four airports serving Sao Paulo in what is obviously a harbinger of how this turns out for Flight 3054. Pilots have a nickname for Congolhas Airport, and it's called the Aircraft Carrier. Uh, the runways are notoriously 
short. Short. Yep. Mm. And if a flight is unable to land within the first thousand feet or three hundred oh, meters, they go up again of the available runway. Exactly, they have to just circle back. <laughs> I'm like, okay, folks, mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna try this again. Yep. Which yep. is probably kind of scary in itself. It's scary, but it's actually the best thing to do. It's better than running into yes. a into well, a hangar yes. or whatever. Yeah. Yes. I'll take that over. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. So flight 3054 was arriving from Porto Alegre, which is about 1,145 kilometers or 711 miles from Sao Paulo. So if to put that into context for us, we're about that far from Miami or South Florida. And I think we're also about that far from Alex Bay or Rochester. Yeah, we are almost smack in between both Mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. So it's a domestic flight. Sure, It was just a, a not a commuter, but you know, a, a domestic thing. So... the aircraft used was an Airbus A32233. It's basically the same kind of jet we've all been on when we go on shorter domestic flights. Not a puddle jumper, but you know, with the the three seats, an aisle and three seats. Yeah. It's not super wide. It's not tiny either. So just sort of a standard plane. That's kind of what I, I think of. And the plane wasn't old or anything. It had been built in 1998. So, like, nine years earlier, Mm -hmm. it had been put into service for TAM just six months earlier. However, it was known that the aircraft's starboard engine reverse thruster, also known as the number two reverser, had been deliberately disabled by TAM maintenance. So, we're going to dissect all that. Sure. So I literally wrote, so what the fuck does that mean? I put in WTF into Word, and it didn't underline it as a spelling thing. So That's Word funny. knows that Word it's knows WTF. Yeah, WTF. Uh, so uh, so we're, we're specifically saying, what is a starboard engine thrust reverser? What do you think that is? Uh, well, my guess is going to be um, that when a plane is trying to land, mm-hmm. those that's, that's the engine that's put to use the part of the engine that's put to use the the most to slow it down, I guess. Okay. Yeah. You're you're on the right track. So starboard just means the right one, Mm -hmm. right? If you're facing front, it's the right Mm -hmm. because I remember port four letters. Yeah. Left has four letters. Um, so it's on the right engine. There's two, two main engines on this plane, the port and the starboard. So on that engine, you're right. When the, um, thrusters are in the reverse position, well, first of all, when when a plane is going forward, <laughs> thrusting, mm-hmm. right? Um, the the uh, the the <laughs> what yeah, am I trying yes, to say? I don't the know. thrust. There we go. Okay. is being directed backwards <laughs> yes. to propel the plane forwards. Well, reverse would be the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. The um, thrust is directed forward so that it's quote reversing. But you're right; it's basically used to to curb momentum. Yeah. It's been going you'll, forward, you'll, now it's stopping. You'll feel it when you're on a plane and you land. Yes, you yeah. do. You yeah. actually feel it really heavily, yeah. right? Because you feel the, the you feel wheels the touch land. down, and then there's that really weird, mm-hmm. everything gets super loud. Yeah. And and, yeah, and then you start to feel the, mm-hmm. the deceleration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even though runways are really long, like, they still have to put on the brakes oh, to yeah. stop that oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah, so, they're, they're all coming in hot. Yeah. So. Yeah, going hundreds of miles an hour yeah. sometimes. So, yeah. So, now, the question remains, okay, is that sounds like a scary thing to 
deliberately disabled. That's what, okay, yeah, so, okay. So, because you would want a plane to be able to decelerate, right, or stop. Um, however, the reverse thruster being disabled was fully allowable under TAM Airlines um, MEL, or minimum equipment list. The reverse <laughs> thrusters were not considered standard minimal equipment. They okay. were considered not entirely necessary from a minimal essential standard. I get. I mean, uh, to a degree, there are other I can, ways to stop a plane. Basically, to a degree, I can see that. And if they're going to do that, that's fine. Just mm-hmm. make sure that this plane never lands at this airport. Well, let's keep going on this, and, and we'll, yeah. we'll learn some more about it. Now, the day before this disaster, the plane landed, stopped, no problems. So this disabled thruster did not stop this plane from not stopping. <laughs> Didn't mean it, it couldn't <laughs> land <laughs> safely. Never stop, never stopping. <laughs> yeah. So flight 3054 was being helmed by two very experienced pilots, Captain Henrique Stefanini de Sacco. I, I, that was like French and Italian accent simultaneously. That was really bad. He was 53 years old, and first officer Claybar Aguiar Lima, who was 54. They both had over 30 years oh, of wow. flying experience, okay. over 13,000 hours of flight experience. Yeah, that's, these, that's quite a bit. These were experienced pilots. i to guess these guys know what they're doing. Right. It was not their first rodeo. Uh, rounding out the crew were five flight attendants. There were seven crew on board and then 180 passengers Almost all of whom were Brazilian, like 170 were Brazilian. Makes sense because it was basically a short domestic flight, right? So total, 187 people on board. So, runny nose. Flight 3054, like many of our air disasters, took off without a problem. Had a relatively uneventful flight from Porto Alegre to Sao Paulo. It took off at 5.19 p.m. local time from Porto Alegre and uh, was, and it, it's pretty much, it was pretty much a, almost a straight north flight. Porto Alegre is south of Sao Paulo, but also on the east side. So okay. it's pretty much a direct north flight. Yeah. Um, so it'd be like going to Miami to yeah, here. Yeah, or from, yeah, exactly. We're not, on, we're not exactly. on the coast, but we're close enough. Right, yeah, pretty much, almost exactly, yeah. So they were approaching Kongonhas Airport within an hour. And this is, again, a pretty short flight, right? 700 miles isn't all that much um, no, distance nothing. to cover in a plane, yeah. Um, so over the next 27 minutes, about a half hour after they were starting to approach, the pilots performed their landing checklist, and they were cleared to land on runway 35L at Kongonhas. So, again, everything's still normal up to this point. Standard operating procedure. At 6.48 p.m. local time, the plane touched down on runway 35L. But within a, a second, literally, like this, this all went wrong immediately. And it was clear things were no longer normal. The plane was not slowing down. Touched down, touchdown did not slow down. It was continuing to barrel down the runway around 100 miles per hour, Mm -hmm. or 170 kilometers per hour. 
And within a few seconds of touching down, it began to severely swerve or veer to the left. It, uh, and I've got a, an illustration of that. It ran over like a grassy area. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then over a cur- another wow. curve of the runway. Across a busy street in the yeah. middle of rush hour. And straight into the Tam Express warehouse. Jesus. Um, full speed. Never slowed down. That's just what was going on. Uh, so the Tam Express warehouse was a warehouse and office building and adjacent to a Shell gas station. And the collision obviously immediately caused a fire. Here's a picture of before and after. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can see the gas station no here. Shit. There's the warehouse. You can see this is a busy road. It looks yeah. like eight lanes. Yep. Yeah. And this was like 6.48 p.m., so this is still rush hour in a, a busy city in one of the biggest metro areas in the country. And then, yeah, things went very, oh, very bad. The aircraft was completely destroyed in the crash and in, in the ensuing fire. Damage was sustained to the gas station and to the vehicles parked there, but I didn't see anything specific about whether all that gas at the gas station caught fire. So I'm guessing yeah. not, or they probably would have mentioned like the giant gas fireball sure. or whatever. So anyway, um, the, the reason I say this is like an averagely bad, bad thing. There was one, like, again, we don't have silver linings, but you know, is that this happened really quickly. So yeah. they didn't know until they touched down that anything was wrong. Now they they did know right away things were wrong, and the voice cockpit voice recorder had like sounds of screams and stuff, unfortunately. But um, it happened within seconds, so you know it's not like they it, they didn't corkscrew down. You know, like no. we've had Jesus. we've heard of flights doing so. An additional twelve people on the ground were also sure. killed. I could kind of surprised that's that's all there were, right? On especially the ground. with the um, the road and everything that they ran across. Now I couldn't find. I literally saw no reference to whether it was motorists who died or personnel near the runway or people in the building or yeah, a combination. Yeah. So anyway, so in total, the crash killed one hundred ninety nine people. And injured an additional 13 people on the ground. There is surveillance camera footage of the plane landing. Oh, yeah. And crashing, but the crash is like off camera. You just see the light from the explosion. But it's pretty clear from the surveillance footage that the plane is not slowing down. Like, you can tell it's not a normal landing. So, so that was that story. This picture is actually taken from a plane. Yeah. Did Mm -hmm. you notice that? Yeah, you can see the wing, yeah. Yeah. Um, now here is the picture of the plane, oh, which is to say there's, there's nothing, nothing left of it. Jesus. Not really. Yeah, it was bad. Wow. I mean, that's why we call it all bad things. So, Kungunhas Airport was closed for a few days. They reopened on July 19th, and but did not use the runway initially, the 35L. The Brazilian president, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, called for three days of national mourning. There were multiple memorials and moments of silence held for the victims, especially in sports. 
Sure. Um, soccer players wearing armbands. Uh, uh, at the European Grand Prix, a Brazilian Formula One driver, uh, Felipe Massa, wore a black stripe on his helmet mm. in, in memoriam. So. Now, I didn't describe much about the the disaster, right? Just that they overshot the runway and that was that. That's because they didn't know anything about, like, why did this happen until they investigated mm-hmm. it to try and figure out. So that's where we're gonna, what we're going to get into now. So this disaster had the shit investigated out of it immediately, obviously. The organization in charge of the investigation was a unit of the Brazilian Air Force that does indeed investigate such matters, the Aeronautical Accidents Investigation and Prevention Center, or in Portuguese, Centro de Investigacio e Prevencio de Accidentes Aeronauticos, or CENEPA. Yeah, CENEPA. Wait, wait, what is is yes in Portuguese? I just said it in Spanish. Si. I don't know for sure, but I feel like si. I'll say I'll say si we. <laughs> si we. Sweet. Sweet. Maybe that's it. Sweet. So investigators were able to um, recover the flight data recorder and the, the black box. Sure. Or, wait, is the flight data recorder the it black box? It is the box? black box. Okay, the black yep. box and the cockpit voice recorder, the CVR. Yes, those are two different things. Right, because the yeah. data recorder is um, literally the the data from the actual plane itself, mm-hmm. yep. like what the electrical system mm-hmm. and the electronics of it where the... Um, a cockpit voice recorder is literally just recording the communications taking place in the cockpit. So, yes. So, uh, Senepa used both the black box and the CVR to form a picture of what happened, eventually releasing its report in September of 2009. So, it took over two years to get this all sorted out. And as with most accidents, there were multiple factors involved and a couple theories of what happened. So. Oh, so so if we're going into the theories, then well, nobody still Well, it's just two, okay. and it's okay. just because it could have ha- it could have gone down one of two ways. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about it. What was not under debate was the literal physical cause of the accident. So first off, everything about the plane and the flight crew checked out as copacetic. So the pilots were experienced. They were up to date on all their certifications and everything. And so was the plane. It had been maintained properly up to code, up to certs, everything, standards, specifications. Because remember, that reverse throttle thing was still to spec. Sure. It was okay. still allowable. So the Yeah, so nothing illegal was done in that sense. R- right. Nothing yeah. or or um or nefarious. Yeah, or even negligent. It was just a basic, it was like, oh, we don't need this, it's not on the checklist. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah. But clearly the the cause the actual cause of like what happened was clear. The plane didn't slow down when it needed to slow down. So right. what what caused that? Uh now the cause of this failure to slow down was found to be a thrust lever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no shock here. So um, the the thrust lever lever, you know, basically the gas pedal of the plane. I think we've all seen movies where the mm-hmm. pilot, you know, does the lever. It's like a little handle thingy. Um, it was in. This was specifically the starboard thrust lever was in the climb or accelerating position at the time of the crash instead of the idle position, which was where it should have been when they were landing. So the plane has two 
This plane had two thrust levers, port and starboard engines. Um, And just before the plane landed on the runway, the flight data recorder showed that they were both in the climb position, the accelerate position, okay, just prior to landing. Uh, And they were in this position because of the plane's auto throttle system. So like a form of autopilot, right? The the plane, the electronic system or the electrical system of the plane was controlling the, the engine power on the plane in flight. Two seconds before the plane landed, the plane's flight computer system gave an actual actual audio warning like a, a, a audible warning of retard, retard, which means slow down, slow down. This meant this is meant to tell the pilots that, okay, you need to manually change the thrust levers from climb to idle to slow the plane. So that was the idea, right? Right after this, the flight data recorder showed that the port thrust lever was disengaged. So it went okay. from climb to idle. Sure. Um, uh, I've also I also saw uh, um, conflicting reports. Some people said it went into idle. Some people said it was all the way in reverse. But either way, it, it was in a slowing position, a non-accelerating position, right? However, the starboard lever remained in the climb position. Now, as we learned earlier, uh, the reverse throttle was disabled on the starboard side but that didn't mean that this lever couldn't be put into idle so that was actually not a cause of it not being that way right so one theory i mean remember there's a couple theories here one theory is that the pilots either didn't know or forgot in the ensuing panic once they landed that uh, just one of the two throttle levers was manually engaged. Oh, sorry. This, that made no sense. All right. Once one of the two throttle levers is manually engaged, both levers go off the auto throttle system. Okay. So you move that the left sense. one, then the right one is also mm-hmm. off the system, right? Now, that's not the case on all planes. Okay. But it is the case on this Airbus. So it, it one theory is that these guys fly a lot of different planes and their assumption in whatever for whatever reason was that by moving the one lever they would both disengage. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's how this not plane happened. was and, and, and it's not what was supposed to happen either. That's not how the plane was built and they knew that. So and that's kind of unique to Airbus apparently or this Airbus. So it is possible that they thought that both throttles were actually in the correct position when they only changed one. Just out of curiosity, is this the same Airbus that they grounded worldwide recently? The same model? This is the Airbus 320. I don't recall the number. I don't recall the one that got grounded. I feel like it was 380-something. Something. But they, but you do know about that. Yes, right? that, yes, I do. And of course, we were the last to do so because who gives? <laughs> yeah, but <coughs> I'm not positive on that. Okay, it was an Airbus, though. I'm. I positive. feel like it was. Yeah. I think you're right on that. Yeah. Um. So, so that was one theory. The other theory was a, a direct um, mechanical failure 
so that that's kind of what I'm thinking. Right. I mean, that's that they maybe tried to and it just couldn't. Or or it it popped back in. Uh, Who knows? Like, yeah, that was basically. That's kind of what I was thinking all along is that simple mechanical failure. And that would actually make more sense than really experienced pilots not remembering something like that. You know, I Um, mean, we all have our lapses. You know, yeah. at our job, but I'm sure when it comes right. to takeoffs and especially landings, mm-hmm. like everybody's, mm-hmm. you know, in the ga- scariest part in, in yeah. game in game face mm-hmm. mode, you know, mm-hmm. game time mode. But here's the problem with the mechanical theory. So, in order for it to have been a mechanical failure, where like it wasn't, I I, I tried to understand the mechanics of what they were describing, and I just struggled. So, whatever, the thing that would have made it be a mechanical failure, the odds of that mechanical failure are one per 400 billion flight hours. Wow. Okay. So it's minuscule. That doesn't mean it can't happen. Right. But so I would say that's a little lower than the odds of somebody making a mistake, a human error. But again, it's, it's really, it could have gone either way. So, so, but regardless of why, those throttles were mismatched um, because they were, because one throttle was still in the accelerating position, the spoilers failed to deploy. And the spoilers are those little lifts, mm-hmm. the little flappy things yep. on the wings that we see, like if you're flying by the wing. Um, and it helps control the speed of the aircraft, helps slow it down uh, and control it on landing. So those never deployed because it wasn't getting the right signals mm-hmm. because it was expecting when both throttle levers were put in the idle position, then it'd be like, oh, okay, now we're deploying because we're slowing down. Well, it didn't, so it didn't, so literally nothing was slowing down this plane. It was just, nothing mechanical was slowing down this plane. It was just just going right on. Um, and on, uh, in the end, the left engine was on idle, the right engine was still accelerating, Right. Um, nothing was slowing down the plane, and that's why it veered left, because of the imbalance in the engines, right? One was idle, one was still going, so the thrust of the right engine made it veer left. So that's that's why it went to the left hmm. okay. and off the runway. So, A separate investigation by the Brazilian Public Safety Ministry was released in 2008, almost a year before the Senepa report. Uh, it also found this, the whole throttle lever issue, although... That report specifically, they didn't say, well, it could have been mechanical, it could have been pilot error. They just were like, it was pilot error, period. That's how they called it. So they they basically thought the pilots were confused, got confused, didn't think they needed to disengage that other throttle. So Now, both reports also cited other aggravating factors for the crash, that this didn't just happen in a vacuum. Uh, for one thing, it was raining, on the night of July 17th, 2007 in Sao Paulo. The rain was described as moderate when the plane actually landed, but the public public safety ministry report specifically said that the airport airport should have actually just shut down totally that night because at points the rain was so heavy that it, it wasn't really safe to land planes. Again, wasn't at the time of the actual landing, but... Just the, the idea was, well, if you just shut down the whole thing to begin with, then this never would have happened sort of idea or whatever. Um, 
And in addition to that, runway 35L had just yet has had just been repaved. So it had been resurfaced, right? And had not been grooved yet. So it's pretty interesting. If you look it up, um, runways actually have very distinct grooves on them. And they, they don't even look, it doesn't even look like it's just pavement, like wavy pavement or whatever. It actually looks like metal. And then little dips in between. So that's what creates the grooves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps uh, prevent hydroplaning. Oh, right. So it channels the water into those grooves so that it's not just sitting on the surface. And then the friction it provides with the tires to a plane helps slow it down. Um, Well, that just wasn't present on this runway. So it was a short runway with a runaway plane. And well, if it hadn't been slick. grooved yet, then yep. why are they even allowing planes to land on this runway? I mean, well, that's... that was what was getting called out. Like, yeah. that was a poor call, basically, right? Um, Airbus was completely exonerated of any wrongdoing in the disaster because the investigation report said that there should have been additional alarms in the aircraft that were, like, telling the pilots, no, no, you need to, you need to pull that other throttle. Um, but... Airbus actually had already recognized that as a flaw, had already approached TAM Airlines saying, hey, we're proposing a modification to add this warning. TAM Airlines rejected it, rejected the modification. Hmm. So that That's didn't interesting. happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, criminal charges were brought against several people as a result of the plane crash, mostly surrounding the safety of the actual runway, of runway 35L at the time of the landing. Specifically, um, the whole, like, (laughs) newly paved, non-grooved, short runway thing, exactly what you were saying. So, um, in 2011, the Brazilian Federal Public Ministry, or the Ministerio Publico Federal, or MPF, brought charges against Denise Abro, the director of the National Civil Aviation Agency, which is probably like the FAA here, right? Yeah, I would think. Um, At the time of the crash. Also, Marco Aurelio dos Santos de Miranda, the flight safety officer for TAM, and Alberto Fahrman, the VP of operations at TAM. All were charged with negligence by allowing the plane to land in the conditions it did. And the trials for all three defendants began in 2013. All three were acquitted in May of 2015. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. The responsible party for paying compensation to victims' families was Itao Seguros, TAM Airlines Insurance Company, right? They sued Airbus, but Airbus is like, no, this wasn't our fault. They refused to take any responsibility. They were like, this was all user error, which I'm actually inclined to agree with. It doesn't sound like well, there was. Well, they brought it to them, and yeah, like, the, you need to break, you the, need to do this modification. They're right. like, no, we're mm-hmm. not going to. And the fact that the mechanical failure was such a small chance of yeah. that being the issue, and they actually couldn't find anything that proved it was. So, um, But I found no, no reference to how that lawsuit turned out, I'm guessing it. That uh, it could um, be still ongoing. It could be still yeah. ongoing, or I'm guessing that like they don't really have much of a case. It seems like I don't know. Uh, the entire disaster caused even more animosity towards Brazil's already struggling air traffic control system. That same month, President Lula made a speech on TV in which he acknowledged that there was indeed, for the first time, he acknowledged there was indeed a crisis in the country's air transit system. 
he committed sort of non-specifically to solve the problem. Uh, but the next week, he fired the Minister of Defense and appointed a new one, Nelson Jobim, or probably Holbeam, who promised to improve the country's air traffic control system. And that, my friends, was the story of TAM Airlines Flight 3054. That sucks. Yeah. Um, sidebar, the President Lula that you just mentioned, he is mm-hmm. currently in jail. For what? I can't remember, but Brazil does have a new president. Um, they have their own Donald Trump now. Didn't they have a lady president who got ousted and something a whole bunch like of back that? And forth? I think Lula was their previous president. Okay. Um, and he is in jail for I corruption some, of some sort. I, some I can't remember, but essentially he couldn't run again okay. because because he was in jail. Well, that's a little hard to do. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think I want to fly to Brazil. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to go to Brazil, to be completely honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the stuff I saw, like, uh, that was going on during the Olympics. That's, uh, yeah, that was pretty rough. Not that, not that every country doesn't have, I mean, America has plenty of shady elements to it all, oh, over, the, yes. all over the place. But I grew up in America. And I'm, I'm an American. I'm, I'm used to our shadiness. <laughs> I don't want to deal with somebody else's, you know? Right, right. But, but like, the stuff I would see... Where they were doing uh, basically all the uh, like rowing events and stuff like that in Brazil, right? The, the water was re- they shouldn't have been in the water, right? Essentially, right? Like, and yeah. they had like open sewage yeah. going. Yeah. It was fucking disgusting. It's like you, yeah. It is my understanding they have severe infrastructure problems. Oh I mean, yeah, we do too. To put it to put it <laughs> lightly, yeah. Yeah, at least we don't have favelas here. Well, we probably have, well, yeah, we have public housing. It's which called has, the projects here. Yeah, I was going to say, it's close to the same thing. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to Brazil. We're, we're going to cross that one off the oh, list. That's too bad. Sorry, Brazilian listeners. Because South America is supposed to be absolutely gorgeous. I'll still go to Uruguay. We talked okay. about We talked about Uruguay. We did talk about Uruguay. Yeah, I'll go to um, <coughs> the other country. The Arge- other country Ar- in, in, in South America? I yep. think there's a few. There's only three. <laughs> Do you want to go to, what was the Guiana or whatever where uh, um, Jonestown happened? I don't want to go there either. No. <laughs> no. No, they're uh, like, uh, like especially like the old, like the old Eastern European countries, like the, the oh, old, Romania, old former like Soviet satellite countries. Right. I'm like, I'm like, I don't really... Want yeah. to go there either? Sarah's been Mo- to Romania. She said mostly it was because cool. mostly because of the movie Hostel. I'm just oh. afraid, afraid of that <laughs> happening. But uh, but yeah, I mean this this is a weird one that we've done as far as a plane crash goes because there's not any concrete. It's pretty. It seems pretty clear that it was a pilot error to some extent. It's a little odd. Yeah. Um, that they would have not thought of that. Me or or considered that, and but maybe they were panicked. I didn't include like there were transcripts of the cockpit voice recorder, but oh, it was a lot really? of oh my gods and screaming. Like it was bad sure. yeah. as far as that goes. They were clearly trying to keep control of the plane, but couldn't. Um, was like, there was there any indication that they tried to get off the ground again? Or oh, I don't know about that. Okay. I didn't see anything in, in there. That's because you were a saying good, that that yeah, was something that just, happens on this particular runway. Yeah, sometimes. 
Yeah, but they had touched down. The The issue was if you oh, don't touch I down. Oh, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean. I thought you were talking about planes landing, realizing they don't have the room, and then going oh, up no, again. Oh, no, no, no. It's, okay. it's just if they overshoot the first thousand feet, then they, then they, gotta go they don't even try. Yeah. They just go up because it's not long enough to safely land at that point. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I also do agree with, and you called it out too, like the... The whole, well, why were they letting planes land on this runway in the first place when it wasn't really suitable for that, especially in the rain? Right. Like, the whole point of those crews was to prevent hydroplaning, and it was raining that night. Right. So why? But then again, the whole background as to the entire failure of the air traffic control infrastructure crumbling. It's a systemic failure. Yes. It it was a major. There was a lot going on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it ended up in the deaths of 199 people. As a result, like I said, like the one minorly silver lining is that hopefully a lot of those people just didn't see it coming or for very long, just a few seconds maybe. The pilots did, but again, yeah. not until they landed. So this wasn't something that happened in the air. Not that that made it any less deadly, but the, um, the air disasters we've done where we talk about like free falls and corkscrews, I mean, and then when they regain control and then lose it again, I mean, that yeah, shit is just unbearable. Yeah, that's the worst. So I am not saying this was a, g- a good thing, um, but like same with the Erebus disaster where they just were just sightseeing and bam, like no nobody even saw it coming. Right. Like the, if you have to go that way, like in an aircraft, that's the only, yeah. Yeah. That's what we, you know, that's what. Either in your sl- everyone wants to die old in their sleep, right? That's like the ideal. It was you don't see it coming, you just go to bed and then don't wake up, and just h- hope your spouse is already gone by then because that would be really sad to wake up to a dead person. It's happened on many occasions. Yes, it has. For many people, unfortunately, but uh, just but just yeah. for just for a little extra morbidity. Oh yeah, yes, episode. exactly. Let's talk about waking up next to dead people, <laughs> next to your dead spouse. That was I remember that scene in uh, The Sopranos. Hesh, his girlfriend. Uh, well, it happened to my uncle, my uncle George. But this is before really? we met. Yeah, his oh. his wife. I mean, he. They think he had a heart attack in his sleep. So. Wait, he did or she did? He died. Oh, okay. Well, I knew he was dead. I just didn't yeah. know if his wife died. Is she still alive? Yeah. Your aunt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he just had a heart attack in his sleep and God, died. I mean, I didn't really ask, but I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Something happened, and he yeah. never woke up. So. Yeah, yeah, that would be hard to be the person. He was only 70, so he didn't quite make it to life expectancy. I read a a thing because there's a... Listen to me, only 70. I think it's because I'm only 42. (laughs) Yeah, you're not 70. (laughs) I'm speaking of only 70. Only 70, It's not that far away from me. (laughs) Um, I believe, I forget his name, the director of Boys in the Hood... John Singleton. Oh, John Singleton. I was going to say Shackleton, so I knew that wasn't right. Singleton um, had a stroke recently, and there's, like, a lot of mystery as to what exactly is going on with him him right now. Apparently, like, part of his family is saying that he's just in the ICU. Part of his family is saying, no, he's in a full-blown coma. I don't know. Like, weird shit's going on around it with his family, but he was 51 and had a massive Mm -hmm. stroke. And I, I read this article, or whatever glanced at this article nobody reads anything anymore um that the instance of stroke 
is happening in younger and younger people. Like it used to be uh, the average age of a stroke victim is going down. Jeez, I wonder why that is. Uh, well, they, they say it's, it's um, common health problems that are more, com- more common now that can um, contribute to strokes like high blood pressure, smoking is a risk mm-hmm. factor. Yup. What? Yup. I love it when uh, people get on your case on Twitter for doing that. <laughs> but yeah, so unfortunately, it, and um, uh, what's his name? Luke Perry died of a massive stroke. That's at 52. right, he did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Everybody's everybody my every woman in my generation's first yeah, pretend boyfriend. Really, yeah, they were really bummed yeah, over that. He was sexy. <laughs> uh, there's the name. Yep. But uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, really, the, uh, yeah, I mean, this was... It was a weird one a little bit, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not everything was so... Cut and dried. No. But not, like not nefarious the, and, no. and mysterious either. But in all the other ones, there, there have been the ingredients. Right. And there were really kind of no ingredients in this one. This was kind of almost a freak accident. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. So... Or confusion, yeah. maybe. Yeah. A little bit of both, I guess. Although odd, because such experienced pilots, this seems like not a mistake they'd make. And you wouldn't think that they would necessarily panic, so... Yeah, that's true. I'm sure they've... 30 years of flight experience, I'm sure they've been through worse, like, scarier situations. So, yeah. So this was a strange one. So, again, this has been another episode of All Bad Things. That was the TAM Airlines Flight 3054. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week, and... Know your exits.